Welcome to From a Woman to a Leader, a podcast dedicated to discussing the challenges and providing tips for women in tech leadership. Hi, I'm your host, Limor Bergman-Gross, and in each episode, we'll hear from other successful women in tech, sharing their stories, insights, and advice. Join us as we empower each other to reach our full potential in the tech industry. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From a Woman to a Leader podcast. And I'm super excited to have Maya Grossman here with me today. And today we are going to talk about an incredible topic, taking control of your career. But let's first introduce Maya. And Maya is currently a career success coach who empires ambitious leader. To take control of their career and make quantum leaps. And after feeling stuck in her own career for seven years, she took a big risk and pivoted to a startup with only five employees when she made a career-defining decision to become the CEO of her career. And we're going to talk about it today and how you can take control of your career and become the CEO of your career. And Maya stopped waiting for others to help her grow and instead decided she wanted her career to look like and made her dream a reality. And welcome, Maya. So happy to have you here. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. It was so much fun chatting with you before we started recording, so I can't wait for this episode. Yeah, me too, me too, because you know, uh, we talk a lot about women and women in tech, and I constantly talk about how you need to take control and how you need to make decisions and not wait for permissions. Like literally today, I just had a session today, a coaching session about, and I, and I sense like the coachee is waiting for permission and we don't need to wait for permission. But before we dive into the details, I wanted to ask you maybe to share a little bit about your background and what kind of was the challenge that you faced, like you said, you were stuck for seven years. So let's start with that, maybe how you started and how you felt stuck. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, I am a career coach. I was a VP of marketing twice. I'm a best-selling author. And today I help ambitious professionals make quantum leaps in their careers, earn high six figures, and actually enjoy their nine to five without working crazy hours or burning out. And the reason is because I did all of these things. I worked crazy hours because I thought that is what's going to get me ahead. And I burned out a few times in my career, which I do not recommend until I finally figured out, you know what, there's a better way. But if we're going to go back to where my career started, I took a job to put myself through college, a job. It was the first job that came along. It was really nice. I was a travel agent. The company was really nice. I had a good manager. The pay was perfectly fine for where I was in my career, but it was a job. It wasn't actually a career. It wasn't a choice, a strategic choice of what I want to do in the future. It was the first thing that came along, but it was so convenient that I just stayed there. I never even stopped to ask myself, hey, is this what I really want? And about six years later, I kind of woke up because I started my bachelor's and I majored in marketing and finance. I hated finance, fell in love with marketing and decided this is what I want to do. This is the career of my dreams. The only problem was I don't, I didn't know anything about marketing at that point. I didn't know anyone who worked in marketing and I was a travel agent. 
So I was kind of thinking to myself, what am I going to do, right? How am I going to make this pivot? I had no idea. I didn't want to start from scratch, right? I just spent seven years working for a company. I did have experience. I did level up twice. So I wasn't, you know, super junior in my career. And I was so worried that everything is going to change. But at some point, the pain of not doing something about my dreams became bigger than the pain of how am I going to solve this problem? So I thought about it. I thought about it. And I had an idea. I approached my manager at the time and I said, look, I have a new passion. It's called marketing and I want to do more of it. And I know that we don't have a marketing department, the travel agency, but you know what? There's this new thing. It's called social media. This is how old I am. And I I think I can really help the company. I think I can get us new clients if I have the opportunity to build, you know, social media presence for us. I'm going to do it in my spare time. I'm not even going to do it during work hours. And if everything goes well, maybe we'll talk in a few months and see what we can do. And, you know, I've been there for about six years at this time. They knew who I was. They trusted me. They were like, fine, go ahead, do whatever you want. And then I spent six months actually executing, right? Building social media profiles, creating content, driving traffic. And I had results to show for. And at that point, I felt confident enough to actually go out and apply for a marketing role. And that's how I got my first marketing job. And I moved from a global company with 400 employees to a startup with five employees, no office. We were working from the founder's home, but it was the dream. It was what I wanted to do. It was the kind of job that would make me happy. So I decided to take it because I knew it was going to be the beginning of everything else. Wow, this is so incredible. So I just want to recap because you mentioned several important things. First, you said I was comfortable, right? And comfort sometimes, sometimes is our enemy, right? When you become yeah, too comfort comfortable. is the enemy of growth. Yeah. So notice, listeners, if you're comfortable, something to be aware of, right? I mean, and I'll say there are times you need you need that. There are some times you need to be comfortable. But if you're comfortable for too long, that's not good. It means you're not growing and evolving. The second important thing I wanted to recap, you mentioned that it wasn't necessarily like working for the travel industry wasn't necessarily a conscious choice. It kind of happened for you. And you know, a lot of times it happens for, for different people, right? We we start something out, kind of we evolved and we find ourselves in a place not necessarily that we chose consciously. Yeah. So kind of asking and asking ourselves, is that what I want? Yeah, that was that was a pivotal moment for me. Is this what you really want? Is this the dream? Can you see yourself doing this in, in 10 years, right? And a really good question you can also ask yourself is, do I want my manager's job? If you have no desire to keep growing in that direction, then you're probably in the wrong place. Absolutely. And it happened to me as well. You know, when I was in my engineering career, I was promoted to a staff engineer. And at first I was happy, you know, that I was promoted. But then when I reflected on it and I said, do I really want that? Do I want to become a senior staff? Probably not. And that's where I started thinking about pivoting to a managerial path. So definitely asking yourself what you want. And the third thing you mentioned was looking for opportunities to really gain experience and do something that maybe was not really part of your role. Yeah. Breaking the boundary. I know. And and I think it's something that stops a lot of people. 
it's almost like they have tunnel vision, right? It's like they can see the world in black and white. Well, if if this job is not giving me the experience, then I will never get the experience. But there are so many other ways, right? Not not even just thinking creatively, but you can volunteer, you can freelance, you can just build a project for yourself that will still demonstrate your skills. You can take online classes. There's so many different ways to gain the experience you need, especially if you're pivoting. But I think sometimes we just fail to see it. Our own fears, our own limiting beliefs are kind of stopping us. And we think there's only one way, that's it. And that's actually one of the things I work on with my clients, because it's actually one of the biggest problems, not talent, not having an MBA. None of that is as important as your own mindset when it comes to career growth. Wow. I cannot agree with you more. I mean, mindset is everything, right? I mean, a lot of times when I talk to clients, they expect me to give them the tools, teach me something, you know, and I tell them, well, the most important thing is what's in your head, what you consider as a viable option or options for yourself, what you consider you're capable of. This is exactly. so, so important, right? And volunteering is excellent. You know, I started volunteering as a mentor, you know, and, and I remember people asking me, what are you doing that for free? No one pays you? And I say, yeah, because I gained tons of experience and eventually shaped my career to becoming a coach. I, I wasn't planning that, but it happened. So volunteering is incredible. I know. And people think that if they're not getting paid, then the experience doesn't count, which is not true, right? If you're getting results, if you have tangible examples of the experience that you've gained, then it doesn't matter if you were paid to do it or not. It, it makes absolutely no sense to skip volunteering because it's also one of the easiest things to do. And I usually, when I talk to people who are a little bit earlier in their career, this is what I recommend because it's so easy, it's accessible, and it's going to give you a lot of the experience you need to get a job that will actually pay you to do the same thing. Absolutely. And apart from the experience, you also get referrals. You get yes. people who can recommend you, who can vouch for you. Yeah. And to be honest, it's better than a lot of what I'm seeing right now on social media, right? There's this whole tangent around why do entry-level jobs require experience, which by the way, I agree, that's stupid. If it's entry-level, it should not require experience. However, if the there is an obstacle Instead of just complaining, you can do something like volunteer or freelance or, you know what, even find a local business in your neighborhood. It sounds stupid because we forgot that there, you know, there's real life outside of the internet, but you can even do that, help someone build a website and you have experience, right? Marketing experience. So you just really need to get creative and find ways to show, not tell. That's one of the biggest problems. When you're trying to get a job, when you're trying to pivot, when you're trying to level up, it's not about telling people what you can do. It's about showing them because showing speaks so much louder. If you have examples, if you have results, then it's not going to be a conversation about if it's going to be a conversation about when. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on one point that you mentioned at the beginning of the call. You mentioned you were burned out. Yeah. And and when someone is trying to make, let's say I want to make a pivot, I understand I need to do something above and beyond my day-to-day -day job because I still need to make a living, right? I still need to have my paid job, but I want to make a pivot. So I want to gain some experience. Maybe I found some opportunities within the company 
or outside, maybe a volunteering gig or something. How do I keep myself from burning out? First and foremost, do you need to have boundaries? And this is regardless of whether or not you're doing something on the side. And every time I mention boundaries, people go, ooh, that's going to be a problem. But it's because we have the wrong concept of what boundaries are. Boundaries are not about you doing less. Boundaries is about you letting the world know how you can do your best work. So for example, if you start your real job, and I know a lot of executives say that they do that, right? All day long, they're in meetings, 5 p.m., they start doing some work. If you're doing your best work at 5 p.m., the level and the quality of that work is going to be terrible because you've already spent an entire day on calls. You're not concentrated. You need to go make dinner or take care of the kids. So you're not doing anyone any favors. If you have boundaries, if you do your best work between nine and 11, because you have no meetings that time, you can do it in two hours, what will require most people two days, and you're going to deliver your best work. So boundaries are not about, I want to do less. Boundaries is about making sure that you do your best work when you're actually working. So I think that would be step number one. So basically, uh, find the time where you are most effective, I assume, right? I mean, uh, uh, in those morning hours that you're most effective or whatever the hours are for you and actually concentrate to find the uninterrupted time to do actual work. And and, yeah, and, and, and that's one example. I also yeah. have a lot of clients who work globally, right? And then they take calls at 7 a.m., 11 p.m. And, and it becomes, their days just become so chaotic what if you only had two days a week where you take international calls? What if one of these days you took calls early in the morning and you left early? And on the other day, you start a little bit later, but you take calls all the way into your night. So simple. And by the way, I did this when I worked at Microsoft because I couldn't, I just couldn't be available 24-7. It's not humane. It's not something that you should be doing. But I think a lot of people are scared of putting those boundaries. They're a little bit worried that pushing back would be a sign of, you know, I don't want to do my work or I'm not committed enough, but it has nothing to do with it. It's all about making sure that you do your best work while you're actually working and you're doing the company a favor, right? They're paying for your time. So if you're not delivering your best work, you're not actually living up to your side of the contract. And it's just about having more structure and knowing what works for you. And let's be honest, you'll never get 100% of like the perfect day. Things will always come up. But if you can get 70%, the quality of your work will be so much better. Your mental health will be in a much better shape. And everyone will be happy because you'll be doing more in less time. And at the end of the day, we spend 90,000 hours at work throughout our life. We do not need to hate, suffer, and just be in pain throughout this entire time. It should be invigorating. It should be exciting. Yes, it should be challenging as well, but it doesn't mean you have to hate your job. So this is why I talk a lot about boundaries. It's, it's actually for you, not just for the company, and it will make you a much better employee. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things I always challenge my clients is with their calendar, right? Because we uh, we got to this situation where... People are in meetings all day long. And I was like that as well. And I'm always challenging them to look at their calendar, what meetings actually they have to be in and what they don't have to. 
A hundred percent. We have, we are wasting way too much time in meetings. Two things I usually tell people to do. One, do not have the default setting. Don't have 30 minutes and an hour of meetings. Do 20 and 45. And let me tell you a secret. It will be enough because yeah. whatever time you dedicate for that meeting, you will get the work done within that time. So do less and also be very specific about the meeting itself. I know a lot of leaders feel hard to kind of, like, oh, no, I need to be there, right? I need to get the information. What if you delegate to one of your employees, right? Get them to do a quick summary. They're going to feel much better. They're going to feel empowered that now they have a role, that they're in the know and they're doing the work, and you're going to save yourself some time. So, you know, there are so many different ways to manage our own calendar, but the worst thing is to let someone else decide how you spend your time. And we think we have to. I hear this all the time, but my manager put it on my calendar, but the CEO put it on my calendar. I'm like, okay, but how many meetings you truly, truly can't move? 20%? Okay, then change everything else, right? Own the time that you can actually own because if you don't own your own calendar, you'll never be able to build the career that you want. It's going to be very hard to level up because you're just going to be putting out fires all day long. It's not good for you, not good for your mental health, not good for the company. Absolutely. This is music to my ears. But let's kind of uh, switch gears because we're not here to talk about time management, but definitely this is an important point. The fourth thing I, I heard you uh, saying in the beginning of the call, you mentioned like you, you did a leap. So basically you moved from a travel agency, a relatively large company, to a five-people startup <laughs> in the founder you know, uh, residence. Yeah. And, and this is this is not exactly in the way I did it, but I also, I took a leap, like moving from a large company to a startup and actually taking a step down a little bit in my career from managing a large org to a small org. So tell, tell us a little bit about making this leap and, and how do people know when it's the right time to do something that maybe will look like taking a step backwards in a sense? Yeah, well, first of all, we have this misconception that careers are linear. They're not, okay? I heard this description a while ago. It's a jungle gym. You go up, you go down, you go sideways. It's really about following your own goal. So this is why the first thing, the first step of actually taking control of your career is knowing where you're going. What's the goal? What's the destination? And for me, once I realized I want to get into marketing, then I knew that was the ultimate goal and I would take any any job that will actually get me there. Now, why did I specifically choose that company? Because I was obsessed with social media. It was early days of Facebook and that company was like number one. They knew everything. They had the best people. They created the best campaigns. And I was just really attracted to that. I didn't think about the fact that it was small. I didn't think about the fact that they didn't have an office. They did the work that I wanted to do. And let me be very clear. My family thought I was crazy. And I had to take a little bit of a step back in terms of compensation. But within four years, I was reporting to the CEO and managing a team of 20 people. And I was one of the most well-known people in my industry around social media, which opened doors for me further down the line. So what I was able to do in four years, I tripled my salary. So it didn't matter that I took a little bit of a step back because once I got in the right place where I was challenged and I was excited and I was fulfilled 
And also because it was a small company, I had a lot more freedom to experiment and to try different things. And that's how I was able to create so many opportunities for myself. That's great. And thank you so much for sharing that, Maya, because uh, many people think that uh, you always have to go up only one way, right? You have to, you cannot move to another job if the, your salary doesn't go up or your title gets bigger or better. Look, it's, it's, it's ideal, right? You definitely, if, if your goal is to keep leveling up, then ideally you want to do that. But the question is, what will get me there faster? And, and I'll give you an example. Later in my career, when I made the decision to leave Microsoft, again, every single person who knew me thought that I lost my mind because who leaves one of the best companies, great compensation. We had a private barista who knew exactly how I like my coffee. Like who would be crazy enough to leave that? But my dream was to become the CMO of a Silicon Valley startup. That was the dream. I wanted to own marketing. I wanted to make all the decisions. And I asked myself, what will get me there faster? And working for Microsoft was great, but if I wanted to become the CMO of Microsoft, not it's going to be, <laughs> there's a slight chance of that happening, but let's say I was one of the best marketers in the world, it would still take me about 10 years to actually climb the ladder and get to the top. So I asked myself, how can I get there faster? And the answer was, well, you need to work for a smaller company, right? I was a director director level at the time, if I wanted to go to VP, if I took a smaller company, the equivalent work of a director would probably be the VP level. And that's how I made the decision to leave Microsoft, go take a marketing role for a smaller startup. It was like 70 people when I joined, but I got to lead marketing. And that was the time that was exactly when I became a VP. That was my first VP role. So by moving laterally, sort of speak, I was actually able to level up. So it's all about asking yourself, what will get me there? What will, what will get me closer to my goals? That's how I make all of my decisions. Absolutely. And knowing your goals, which many people yeah. don't know what your goals are. I know. Step number one. This is what we do. The first one-on-one -on -one coaching session. <laughs> <laughs> how do you help people realize what are their goals? Because, you know, many people are not sure. They're confused. Well, I'll tell you a secret. Most people know what they want, but they're a little bit too scared to admit it. So one of the first questions I ask, and everyone listening, do this exercise with us. I ask this question. If money was no object and anything was possible, what would you do tomorrow? Gut feeling now. And 90% of people have an answer. They know what they want, right? But they put up so many barriers and obstacles. It's not possible. I'm not going to make enough money. No one will hire me. They just make so many excuses. Yeah. But when you force them to remove all limitations, very often people know exactly what they want. And then we work on clarifying it. Okay, what does it actually mean? How do we get there? Or sometimes people need to take a week or two to think about it to really go deep and ask themselves 10 years from now, where do I want to be? But the majority of people actually know already. You just need to, to pull it out of them. Yeah, you need to uh, help them not being afraid of thinking of themselves getting there. Because a lot of times people are even afraid of, of allowing themselves to think exactly. in their heads. It is possible for them. I know, it's scary. I totally relate. It is scary. And there were times in my career where I couldn't see myself going there. But you have to remember, we're here on this planet. 
for a very short amount of time. And I at least think that our goal should be to enjoy this time, to do things that we love, to experiment, to try new things. And that's what I try and encourage all of my clients to do, to follow their dreams. Absolutely. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about the leaps you made in your career, because you had a very impressive, you still do, but as, as an employee, I mean, a very impressive career and you made quantum leaps, right? I mean, you moved very quickly up the ladder. So... What are your secrets? What people can do to really progress? Yeah, well, let's give people context. So I had 10 promotions in 15 years. I worked for both Microsoft and Google. I also worked for two startups, one of them valued in half a billion dollars. I would say that the secret is first and foremost to know what you want. That's step number one. I actually have a formula. So when I teach about promotions, there are five elements that go into a promotion and I call it the startup formula. So first and foremost is strategy because you need to know where you're going and you need the how. What are the steps that I need to take to actually get there? Okay, so strategy is number one. Number two is advocacy. Whether you're advocating for yourself or you're getting other people to advocate for you because people promote people, not machines, not yet, at least, <laughs> right? So you need other people on your side. When the decision about your promotion is made, you're not gonna be in the room. So you need someone there to represent you and make sure that you get what you want. So we said strategy, we said advocacy. You also need your reputation. So how people actually perceive you, what is your internal brand, how you communicate, because people will have a perception of you, whether you do something about it or not. So you better shape that narrative so they think the right things. So when the time is right, once again, they will advocate for you. You also need to have the right achievements. And I think a lot of people get it wrong because they think if I'm really good at my job, I will get promoted. Let me tell you a secret. A promotion is not a reward for doing your job well. If you do more of the same, you will actually stay in place. A promotion is a vote of confidence that you can do next level work, that you can add more value, that you can be, you can have a bigger impact for the company. So if you want the com if you want to convince your employer that that's you, you need to not only exceed expectations, you also need to prove that you can do that next level work. You need to show that you can already operate at the next level. We talked about it before. There's a difference between telling and showing, right? If you tell someone, oh, I'm ready for a promotion. I really want it. That's one thing. If you actually do the work before you get the title, then it's not even a discussion. It's like, I already know how to do it. I already did it. Now it's time to talk about the title. And I think a lot of people miss that uh, definition of a promotion. And lastly, and this is the part that most people skip, but it's actually so important, is to have a business case for your promotion. Because once again, a promotion is not about you. It's about the company. And if you can demonstrate that you will, you have added value in the past and you will add value in the future, it's going to be a no-brainer. It's not even going to be a conversation about whether you get promoted. It's going to be how quickly you're going to get promoted. And by combining all five, that is how I was able to get promoted over and over again. And I'll be honest, most of the time, I didn't even apply for those promotions. I received them because I demonstrated very clearly that I'm already operating at the next level. Yeah, this is the pure gold, Maya. Pure <laughs> gold. Thank you so much for sharing. And, uh, you know, I very much relate to that. I mean, branding is one of the things that many people don't do. 
especially women that I'm coaching, they feel uncomfortable branding themselves, right? It's not just about doing the work, but it's about showing that you're doing yep. the work and, and operating at the next level, right? I mean, one of my managers told me, people get people who get promoted already operate at the next level. That's why yep. they are promoted. Exactly. And I think that's one of the biggest distinctions. But then I hear from people, why should I do more than I'm paid to do, right? Why should I work free for a company? And my answer is very simple. Short-term investment for long-term gains. I am not advocating for you to work for free forever. If you've been doing next-level work for six months, maybe, maybe a year, and there's no recognition that's a red flag you need. And you've asked for the promotion and you've made your case. That's a red flag and you should go somewhere else. But the only way to do this quickly is to convince your employer that they can take a chance on you. Because here's what happens. A an employer needs to make a decision, right? Whether or not they're going to promote someone. Technically, when you're promoted, you don't have all the experience to do the role. But if you built the confidence in your work, if you demonstrated, oh, I can do like 20, 30% of the work, then your employer is going to trust that you can do the rest. But if you show them nothing, it's literally just jumping blindly and saying, I think this person will figure it out. Why would they do it? A business needs to make money. Uh, mishiring is very expensive. If someone has been promoted and they can't do the work, it costs their employer hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially at the executive levels. So they don't want to make a mistake. And the easiest way to help them feel confident in choosing you is just to show them you can do it. Not forever, but for a few months. And then to also make the ask, something that a lot of people get wrong. They don't ask for the promotion. They just sit and wait for someone to notice them and tell them that it's time. No, you need to ask for it. One, because your manager doesn't read minds. Maybe you want the promotion. Maybe they don't know that you want it, right? They're so busy. They have so many other things going on. And number two, if you don't make it known, right, how would you become the number one choice? How would you have advocates speaking on your behalf? You can't just keep it in your own head. You actually need to make the ask, maybe even work with your manager to build a plan to get you there. So when the time is right, you're not starting from zero. You've already built so much of the work that again, it's an easy yes, because it makes sense. And because they have all the information they need to trust you that you're just going to figure it out. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and typically what I was doing with when I was managing people is trying to work with them on their career plan and thinking about the next level six to 12 months ahead. So basically you shouldn't come and say, I want a promotion now. You should mm -hmm. announce what are your goals and build a plan. And a hundred percent, hopefully your manager, this is what a lot of people don't understand that one of their jobs of your manager is to help you progress. It's not just about doing your work and reporting status to your manager. Your job is to help you with your career. Unfortunately, not all managers are that good and care, yeah. but some do. Right. But but you can also manage up, right? So I, yeah. I completely agree. Not every manager uh, knows how to do this or even has the mental capacity, right? Sometimes people just don't think about it because it's not as a priority as, you know, creating revenue for the business. Yeah. But if you're proactive... If you create your own career path and your own journey, and then you just go to your manager and say, hey, 
you know, I'm so interested in this company. I've enjoyed being here and I want to keep growing with the company. So my goal is this. Here's what I mapped out as the next steps. Let me know what you think. And that way you're doing the heavy lifting, but you're still bringing your manager in to really help you with the execution. And if worst comes to worst and your manager is not interested in supporting you whatsoever and might even stand in your way, at least you know now and not six months from now, because now you can make decisions about whether or not you want to stay there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, Time flies. And I want to make sure that we have the opportunity to uh, share how people can connect with you. What are your offering to people? What kind of things you have going on right now? Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, as I mentioned, I am a career coach and I teach people mostly how to get promoted and grow their careers. I have an online course. It's called the Promotion Accelerator. Just 90 minutes, you're going to get the entire framework I mentioned earlier, the startup framework with all the templates, the scripts, literally plug and play. So if you've never went through the process of asking for a promotion, this is the best thing you can do for yourself. And then if you want to work with me one-on-one, I do have a coaching program. It's called Success Builders. And if you go to my website, mayagrossman.com, you can see all the information. Thank you. And I'll put all the links on the episode page. And I also want to recommend your book, <laughs> Invaluable. Thank so you. I, I was, uh, I like, I'm old fashioned. I like reading real books, like <laughs> paper books. Uh, although I do have a Kindle and uh, I live in Israel. So I said, oh, how am I going to get a hand of your book? Fortunately, I had a visit in the US and I, I, I ordered it so Highly, highly recommend it. Thank you. I am halfway through it. It's like pure gold. So easy to read and fun, but also so valuable. Like highly recommend getting your book. Thank you so much. Oh my God. I (laughs) secret kind of behind the scenes. I wanted to write a book for almost three years and I kept pushing it back and like, it's not the right time. You know, English is not my first language. Who would actually read it? Who am I? No one knows who I am. I had a lot of those limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome. And just like I teach my clients to do, I started working on myself to really allow myself to see the value, to give myself the opportunity to do what I really want. And once I did that, it was actually very quick. So I was actually on a plane and I wrote the outline for the book. And when we landed, I was like, that's it. I'm going to write a book. I don't care if no one reads it. If one person reads it and and they enjoy it and it changed their lives, it's going to be worth the investment. And it took about eight months to do everything end to end. And then when we launched it, it was a huge hit. We had thousands of people buy it, even in the first couple of weeks. And then all the feedback started coming in. Oh my God, it changed my life. I know what to do now. I got the job. I got the promotion. And that is why when I talk to people about, you know, following your dreams, that's why you do it. So that moment when someone tells you, oh my God, it changed my life. It is worth everything. It's worth the pain, the fear, the consistency, doing hard things and following through. It's worth it all. And I think it's going to be the same for people when they chase their dreams, because when you get there, when you have the title, when you have the responsibility, when you have the impact, you feel so proud of yourself you feel so accomplished and fulfilled that it's worth everything that you had to go through to get there. And I just want people to be on the other side. 
That's my dream. I just want to get everyone to the other side when they're so happy and excited. Wow, this is so so much fun to hear. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a great book. I highly recommend. I actually started recommending it to my coaching clients. So it's like, oh, go okay. read this book. <laughs> it's like, I, I love book, right? Because it's just so, so great to get information from people uh, and grow. So reading is definitely something everyone should do. Yeah, I, I love reading. I did transition a little bit into audio recently. When I really want to learn, I would then buy the book and kind of go line by line and outline the things that I really want to remember because it's hard to just listen. But when I take notes, it's easier for me to revisit them, come back and know what I need to work on. But yeah, books are learning in general is something that we need to keep doing intentionally because the statistics are that most people never read a book after college, which is so sad because there's so much knowledge in yeah. those books, right? They actually compress like 10, 15, 20 years of experience into just a few hours. So it's priceless. And we just need to find the right books, right? The things that will get us excited and motivated and will actually allow us, give us that motivation and momentum to go do the things we want to do. Absolutely. And with that, I would like to thank you, Maya, for being here today and sharing all your knowledge. Thank you so much. It, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of From a Woman to a Leader. This is your host, Limor Bergman-Gross, and I want to encourage you to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Limor Bergman, and let me know. What do you think about the episodes? Feel free also to comment on Apple Podcasts and tell me what do you want me to talk about? Which guests do you want me to bring? I really appreciate that and have a wonderful day.